Hi, I'm Rick Atkins, pastor here at CFCC. Welcome. We hope you enjoy this sermon and that God uses it to grow you in your relationship with Him. Before we get started, our goal is not to replace your investment in a local church with online content. We were made for community. We want to encourage you to engage in a local church with your gifts. See, when the people of God invest in the community of God, they experience the transformative power of God. And that is our hope and prayer for you. Again, thanks for joining us and we hope you enjoy the sermon. Amen, church, you guys go ahead and have a seat. Good morning. It's great to see you guys this morning. Let me say welcome to all of you who are joining us online as we continue in our series, Uncommon Sense, where we were working through the book of Proverbs, at looking at different, uh, different areas of Proverbs and different titles and themes of Proverbs as we're looking to gain wisdom from the book that Solomon has given to us. And today, the wisdom that we're asking the Spirit to really uh, put into us, to give to us, involves uh, the most difficult part of the body, the tongue. And so we are today looking to God's Word to learn wisdom with our words. And so if you have a Bible and you want to join me in Proverbs chapter 18, that would be great. If you need a Bible, we now have Bibles available for you. They are underneath the chairs. You might see them somewhere around there. If you would like one of those Bibles, you'd like to use one of those Bibles this morning. If you don't own a Bible, please take that as a gift from us. If you like that Bible better than the Bible that you have, please take it as a gift from us. And if you would like something better than that, we probably have a few leftover leather ones that people have left over the years that may not have the correct name on it, but you would certainly are. feel free to have that. <laughs> Before we get into our text today, uh, I do want to... Uh, there's a couple of announcements. Last week, we tried to share a... Uh, a highlight video from Costa Rica with you guys last week. Unfortunately, due to some technical difficulties, we weren't able to do that. Um, we're always working to grow and, and get better at that, wanting to always do things with es excellence. And we really appreciate your understanding and your grace, but we have it ready today. And so I'd like to share it with you this morning. Check out the screen. Perdón, yo corro a mi padre una vez. 
Amen. Amen. What God is doing between our two churches and the partnership, really it's not a partnership, it's a family. And when we go, it's like seeing family you haven't seen for a little while, and it is absolutely spectacular to see the work that God is allowing us to be a part of together, to encourage one another, to strengthen one another in the work that God has for us. It's just nothing short of spectacular and amazing. And uh, I want to say thank you for your continued support that our whole church is around this. Our whole church understands the impact and the, and the uh, reverberation and the ripple effect that that's having, not just in Costa Rica, but here in our own church as well. Um, you guys support, you give towards it, you go. Um, so thank you for that. I'm really excited for what God is going to continue to do in the future. Um, we have our uh, next team is prepping and gearing up. They will be leaving in June. It is our largest team that we've ever sent. We have 25 participants this time. And so please be in prayer for that. If you'd like to give to that ministry uh, work that's happening down there, you can certainly do that. And if you'd like to be a part of a future team, we have one more chance this year. Uh, that you can join and be a part of. Uh, we're going in October, which is the third trip for us. This is the first year we've done three. So that team is uh, starting to form up. If you'd like more information about that, or if you'd like to start praying about joining a trip for 2024, all of those trip packets are back on the back wall. You can grab one of those. It will give you information about those trips. So please continue to be in prayer for um, that work that God is doing and allowing us to be a part of. It is absolutely beautiful. One other announcement. Um, you heard it in the video, uh, hopefully, but, but Good Friday is, and Easter is coming up. Good Friday at 7 o'clock right here, 7 p.m. And then Easter, we're doing three services, 8.30, 10, and 11.30. So please note that those are different than our regular service times, all right? 8.30, 10, and 11.30. We hope you will join us for um, the celebration. Good Friday, we'll look at the crucifixion, and then we'll celebrate the resurrection on Easter. And if you know someone who isn't attending church or isn't going to a church, please invite them. Let them come and hang out as we celebrate together. All right? So the book of Proverbs, it's a book of wisdom. It's a guidebook for wise living. And today we learn that this book has a lot to say about what we say. All right? Solomon speaks over 150 times to our tongues and our speech. So we have 150 verses to cover before we're done today. <laughs> but with that, with, with him giving so much time and so much effort to talk about our words, we see how central this is to our faith and our lives, right? According to researchers, on an average day, on an average day, we open our mouths 700 times using about 18,000 words. Let that sink in for a second. If we speak this much, some of you speak more, <laughs> which we'll talk about. Some of you speak less, which is probably good. <laughs> but if we speak this much, 
We do well then to learn the wisdom, right, around our words and our tongues. And with the invention of social media, where everyone has a platform, a digital platform, let's not, buy, let's not be naive to think that those things that are posted, those words that are written in those places don't have the same power as if they are spoken to us, to our face, or to an audience. The truth is words are everywhere. Words are everywhere. Think about your past experiences. When you think about words spoken to you, some of the most hurtful and painful experiences that you've experienced in life have come from the words of another person. On the other side, some of the most fulfilling and satisfying times of your life have come from the words spoken to you from another person. Words matter. Words matter to God. God created everything. We know in the beginning of the Bible, in the very first book, in the beginning, right? And God said, Jesus is called the Word in John chapter 1. I've shared this quote before. I think it's important for us to hear it one more time. If you blow on a spark, it will glow. If you spit on it, it will be put out. And both come out of your mouth. Think about that. May we never underestimate the power of our words. And listen, it's not lost on me that I'm using words to talk about words, right? May we never underestimate the power of words. For example, the boyfriend was going to pick up his girlfriend for the date, and he gets there, and he's standing in the living room, and she comes out, and her hair is wet, and she has no makeup on, and she's a little embarrassed, and she looks at him, she says, well... What do you think? And he grinned and he wisely said, it looks like something beautiful is about to happen. (laughs) On the other side, the married man comes home from work to find his wife's hair up in pink uh, curlers. Coolers would be weird. Curlers is better. (laughs) Words, right? Words. This is wild. He looks at her and he says, what happened to your hair? (laughs) And she says, I said it. And he says... What times it go off? <laughs> Words matter. Words matter. Never underestimate the power of our words. Main part of our main part of our faith is words. How we speak to one another. How we engage with one another in conversation, not just our Christian words. In the Christian circles, we have our Christian ease, as it's called. We have our Christian language, our our jargon, right? We have all of that, right? Christian words. But all of our words testify to our faith. Our words testify, proclaim. Jesus came proclaiming, right? So, So the main part of our faith is words, David understood this. King David in Psalm 141, in his prayer, he understood the power of words. And so he he prayed and he asked God to help him with using that power for God's glory, not evil. Psalm 141.3, he said, Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. How many of us, all of us, can use that prayer in our own lives? Let's say... Let's all say this together because I know you all know it. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Now, with that in mind, look at our key verse, Proverbs 18, verse 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. 
Having read our key verse, that little saying isn't so true, is it? Words have power far more than sticks and stones. They can reach far deeper, right? They can reach into those places that that sticks and stones could never reach. May we never think when we speak recklessly, well, it's only words. It's not like I did anything. We know how untrue that really is, right? Words can penetrate to places that actions never could. And our words mark us. Again, they mark us as human. Now, I know some of you think your pets can speak. (laughs) God gave us the gift of language and conversation and words. It marks us as an image of God. So our words matter. And we'll see just how much they matter as we look into this. Everything that you and I have said this week has either given and breathed life into another person or have wiped out and annihilated another. Think about that for a second. Based off our, based off our key verse, life-giving or death-dealing. Think back on your conversations this week. Think back to those you've talked to this week. Think back on the words that you have used this week. Were they life-giving or death-dealing? Proverbs 12, 18 says, There is one whose rash words are like sword thrust, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Sword thrust, death, tongue of the wise brings healing, life. And we know all about the sword thrust piece, right? It happens in a moment. Like in an outburst of reckless words, words that we haven't thought about, words that just come flowing out with no filter. And if you haven't been the one sharing those kind of words, you've been on the receiving end of those words from others. So, so we all understands, understand this, right? It's easy for the person to do the outburst. It's not so easy for the person to hear or heal from it. Our tongues torpedo relationships. They ambush reputations. That's why Solomon wrote those There's one who uses rash words like sword thrusts. Like a sword, our speech can lacerate a life in a matter of seconds. I know, I know, you know this. I I, I believe that all of you have experienced, those watching online, you've experienced a moment where someone spoke something to you and it cut and it hurt incredibly, really deep. Contrast, again, is words of the wise bring healing. They bring life. When the, word, when the word giver is more concerned, it's more concerned with soothing an injury than winning an argument. My hope is that you've experienced that side as well. Listen, time does not heal all wounds. Ignoring injuries does not make them go away. Can I get an Amen. <laughs> How many of us have tried to ignore an injury in our life and think, well, it'll, it'll go away. I'll be fine. I know, yeah, you, you're in church. You should confess. <laughs> but what the, what the proverb teaches us that wise words can, and they do bring healing. Speaking with humility and honesty, the things that need to be said can bring healing. And listen, this is the good news. Even when we fall short of doing that, Jesus still does. Jesus still does. 
So what I want to do this morning with our time is I want to look at the wrong way, a few ways that we use words wrong, and then a couple ways that we use them right, then we're going to finish just a little bit different, all right? So, so we're not going to look at all 150 Proverbs to which we all said, praise God. <laughs> but we are going to look at a few of them. Here's one way we use words wrongly, lying, lying. Proverbs 6, 17 talks about a lying tongue, something God detests. Proverbs 12, 22 Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who act faithfully are his delight. Proverbs 12, 19. Truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue is but for a moment. And maybe lying doesn't bother us as much as it used to. Maybe we're so just used to lying. It just happens so much within the world and the world around us that we just dismiss it as maybe that's just the way things are to be done sometimes. This is very untrue for God. God detests lying. Jesus says that the devil is a liar. In fact, he, he says he is the father of lies in John 8. See, when we lie, false words conceal us from one another. When we lie, it conceals us from one another. It isolates us from one another. And when we're isolated and concealed from another, we are, can be easily divided from one another. Whereas the other side, what's true, sincere, and honest words bind us together in community. When we find security, we find safety, we find a shoulder to cry on and an arm to help when we can't move forward. True words make love and trust possible. Jesus said, the truth sets us free. Lying is one way. Here's another way we use it wrongly, speaking in anger. Proverbs 29, 22. A man of wrath stirs up strife, and one given to anger causes much transgression. Angry people keep adding fuel to anger and rage instead of finding ways to put it out. And some carry anger within. Some try to hide it. They try to carry it within them, and they try to hide it, and they make the outside look like there's nothing going on, but we all know, and we're going to look at this in a little while, that what is on the inside comes out. I read a quote, hot head and hot heart can lead to burning words, speaking in anger, and, and maybe that has happened to you. You've been on the receiving end of someone in rage and anger spoke words, and once you say them, you, you can't put them back. Like, you can't take them back. It's like, it's, like putting, it's like taking a toothpaste and you squeeze the tube and a toothpaste comes out. Have you ever tried to put it back in there? It's impossible. Impossible. You make a mess. And that's what happens when we speak in anger. Our defense, though, is Proverbs 15.1. A soft answer turns away wrath. But a harsh word stirs up anger. Try soft words is what? Solomon gives to us to quench the rage of angry words. Here's one that may not, may not be on your list, flattery. Flattery, it seems like that's a good one. But look at what Proverbs says about flattery. Proverbs 29.5, a man who flatters his neighbor spreads a net for his feet. Proverbs 26.28, a lying tongue hates its victims and a flattery mouth works ruin. I read this this week. A flatterer is one who pats you on the back today only to locate the soft spot where he can insert the knife tomorrow. Insincere praise 
Selfish motives is what we have to guard against with flattery. When it's not genuine, when it's fake, it's not sincere, it's selfish, that's what we have to guard against. And when you use flattery in those ways, you're not, you're not speaking what is needed to hear by the person that you're speaking to. You're speaking what you think they want to hear. And it's selfish. Flattery, here's what it does. Flattery then in insincere ways and in selfish ways, you know what it does? It engages our pride. And that is what you and I every single day are fighting against is the pride within us. We always are fighting against our own pride, our own boasting. But when someone is using flattery in an insincere way, in an ungenuine way, it's fighting against the humility that we're trying to produce. Satan flattered Eve in the garden in the very beginning by saying she would be like God in Genesis 3. It was it's the first time that we see this happening. That's why, that's why Proverbs, why Solomon says, hey, be careful. Here's another one. Talking too much. Proverbs 10, 19. When words are many, transgression is not lacking, but whoever restrains his lips is prudent. Proverbs 17, 28. Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. Which leads me to the quote that I read. And, and this is, some people believe Abraham Lincoln said this, but he said, better to keep your mouth closed and be thought a fool than to open it and remove all doubt. You're always talking. You know what you're not doing? You're never listening. If you're always talking, you're never listening. When I... I was going to put a picture of Pastor Tyler up for this one. <laughs> just, just as an illustration. I asked him if I could say that. He said it was okay. I didn't actually ask him, but I wanted you to think I asked him. I don't want to get in trouble for my words. <laughs> Two ears, one mouth. We did talk about it this week, though, just so you know. So no emails, please. Two ears, one mouth. Two ears, one mouth. James 1.19 says we are to be slow to speak, slow to anger, and quick to listen. Here's another one, the big one. Gossip. Gossip. Proverbs 20, 19, whoever goes about slandering reveals secrets, therefore do not associate with a simple babbler. Proverbs 16, 28, a dishonest man spreads strife and a whisperer separates close friends. Proverbs 18, 8, the words of the whisperer are like dainty morsels. They go down into the inner parts of the body. Gossip. It's so destructive, so destructive, so divisive. Some people feed off of it. Some people, that's their, that's their fuel is gossip. They, they, they have to have it. It's a delight to them. It's so destructive. You know the quickest way that you and I can kill gossip, the fastest way that we can kill gossip and it never happens. The quickest way, the quickest way to kill gossip, it can never survive if there isn't someone to listen to it. That's why God would call us 
in those moments that it begins to speak up, to open your mouth. Don't stand by silently. Here's some tips for asking ourselves, tips to ask ourselves before we speak. Just real quick. Is it true? Is it true? Is it necessary? Is it necessary? Is it life-giving or death-dealing? Very simple. Don't you love the practicality of the Proverbs? Don't you love... Like, what I just gave to you wasn't anything that you didn't already know. You knew I probably shouldn't lie. You knew I probably shouldn't speak out in anger. You knew I shouldn't flatter that's insincere, right? I shouldn't, for selfish motives, I'm going to say these kind of things because I know you like to hear them so that I can get my way. You knew sometimes talking too much is too much. You knew that gossip. Here's the right way. Here's a few ways that are right uses of words. Encouragement. Encouragement. Proverbs 12, 25, anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. Proverbs 15, 4, a gentle tongue is a tree of life, but pervasiveness in it breaks the spirit. Proverbs 16, 24, gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul, and health to the body. Listen, there are a lot of discouraged people. You may be here today because you're discouraged. You may be in that season or in that moment of life or watching online that you are just discouraged. There's something going on within you, your circle of life that it just is producing some discouragement. There is a lot of people, and even if you're not there, you know what it's like to be there. You've been there, or you're getting ready to go into a place or a season where you're just discouraged. There are people all around us who are discouraged, but we have the power, and we have the privilege and the blessing to speak encouragement to that discouragement. God has given us that privilege and we need that together, right? The word of wisdom here is that we need each other speaking those good words to us, spoken into our hearts and into our lives. And listen, the encouragement is, it doesn't always necessarily be, hey, you know, the, it's going to go away. You're going to be fine. The problem, you know, it's, it's, you don't have to deal with it. It's going to be fixed, right? It may not always be the problem is going away, but it because we're always going to speak truth, right? Honesty. But it can always be, God is with you, and so am I. God is with you, and so am I. Just like Jonathan encouraged David in 1 Samuel. And when he did that, it strengthened David's hand in God. We can do that for others. We have the great privilege of doing that for others as others do that for us. Never met anyone. I've never met anyone in my life, my life, and I'm pretty sure I could go around the room or even those that are online that didn't need some encouragement. Some of us, that's our story. That's our testimony. What we proclaim is that God used someone in our life to encourage us in a moment that we were discouraged and it transformed our future. It changed the direction of our life. It transformed the path we were on. We know the power that comes from encouragement. We know. Let's be a Barnabas. Let's be an encourager. Medical people. 
Medical people will testify that sick people surrounded by love and encouragement are more likely to get well and heal quicker than those who don't have that by them. I was reading this week, and as I was reading, I was looking up different things, and I came across a video, and I don't remember all the details of the video, but it just happened to pop up as I was working on this section and it was about encouragement, and it, it was about a soldier who had been wounded in, in war, and he was in the hospital, and as he was laying there, he tells a story that he heard the doctors and the nurses who were talking pretty negatively about his recovery, like they weren't real hopeful that he would recover. And he says, I kicked him out. I kicked him out of my room. I didn't need that in my room, he said, and I asked them to put a sign at my door that said, only those who will speak encouragement and love only those people can enter into my room and be next to me. He knew that he needed to hear that more than he needed to hear the outlook isn't good. And he went on and he said, I recovered. So let's ask ourselves, how many of our words this past week were words of encouragement? How many of our sentences were devoted to helping lift an anxious heart. It's a great way for you and I to be used in God's kingdom. It's a great privilege for you and I in God's kingdom to be useful in the lives of others. That the grace in our hearts brings healing through our tongue. That's why in Hebrews 10, when we studied that, Hebrews 10, 24 says, stir up one another to love and good works, encouragement, Here's, here's another way. Good advice and instruction. Good advice and instruction. Proverbs 10, 31. The mouth of the righteous brings forth wisdom, but the perverse tongue will be cut off. Proverbs 15, 7. The lips of the wise spread knowledge, not so the hearts of fools. Sharing the wisdom of God, gleaned through the word of God, is of primary focus. It is of most importance. There is, listen, if you're reading a lot of books right now and the Word of God is not one of them, put them all down. Put them all down and pick up God's Word. There is, there is, I'll be honest, there are a lot of good and helpful things to learn in our brief life here on earth, but the greatest and the wisdom that's given to us through God's Word is by far, far above any other Wisdom and book that we could be reading and studying. The, the wisdom that God gives us through his word. The grace that is shown to us through his word. The greatest is God. That's why we're pro-Bible. That's why we have Bibles available. That's why we'll continue to spend resources on providing Bibles for those who don't have it or like the one that we have. We'll, we'll invest in that because we know how Critically important it is for us to be literate of the Bible. I am not your Bible. The other pastors that stand up here and share God's word are not your Bible. This, this we have the privilege to carry with us and take with us. And that, when you and I have spent time here and God works that into us, he works it through us into the beautiful lives of those around us for their good, our good, and God's glory. Good advice and instruction is a good way to use our words. Now, 
quick recap or a quick finish as I'm going to finish a little bit different. And these, again, are things you already know, but I'm going to list them out very simply, very simply. You already know them, but let's, let's, let's hear them. Think more. Think more. Talk less. Listen better. Encourage others. Speak gently. Be honest. Now, when you and I are thinking more, then we're talking less. And when we're talking less, we're listening better. And as we do that and that happens, you know what we're able to do? We're able to encourage others right where they need to be encouraged because we've listened and not tried to formulate our own response without listening. We've listened to what's happening. We can encourage others. And when you and I encourage, we can speak it with gentleness. And we can be honest because we're speaking with gentleness. And it comes from time with God. And that's where that, the last one is be humble. Be humble. It's not very attractive to hear someone boast and brag, is it? You know those people. Maybe you are one of those people. It's not very attractive. James 4.16. Now, James has a lot to say in the New Testament, the book of James. James 3 talks a lot about the tongue. But in James 4.16... He says, as it is, you boast in your arrogance, and all such boasting is evil. And the word translated boast in James 4.16 literally means a wandering quack. I'm not sure that's the descriptor you want. Wandering quack. When we sing our own praise, we always sing out of tune. If you feel the need to honk your own horn, then you may have a problem with boasting. Instead of seeking our own name and lights, let's focus on God's honor. It's one of our internal kind of mantras here is that let's just be faithful and leave the rest to God. Let's be faithful and leave it to God to take care of it. We don't have to be perfect Let's just be faithful. It's not about seeing our name in lights. It's not about seeing my name or any other staff or elder. It's not about seeing the church's name. It's about seeing Jesus' name in lights. It's about seeing God lifted high. It's about seeing Jesus made known. And God will take care of the rest. Let's just be faithful. And when we feel ourselves start, starting to feel like we need to start talking about ourselves and what we've done, let's look for ways to give credit to others and what they've done. How do you get the power to do that? Because it seems so built in. I think we get the power to do that by looking at how Jesus spoke, which is how I want to kind of finish. The more I read through the Proverbs, the more I spent time looking at all the different Proverbs on our words and the way we speak our words, continually pushed me to think about and look at how Jesus spoke. I want to show you just a few things here of the way Jesus approached others and spoke to them. Jesus spoke with love and encouragement and healing and hope. Sound familiar? He was, he was a spring of life, which there's a proverb that talks about us and our words being a spring of life. Jesus was. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, Jesus says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. How many of us need that today? 
Jesus spoke truth all the time. Jesus spoke truth all the time, reproof and restoration. Now, the, the truth that he spoke was always enveloped with grace, right? John 14, 2, he says, In my Father's house are many rooms. Listen to this. If it were not so, would I have told... In his own words, he's saying, listen, I don't lie. I'm not a liar. I don't lie. Everything I say to you is true. It's real. I am truth, so I speak truth. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? Jesus speaks truth all the time. He also spoke wisdom from the sacred writings from the Old Testament. He gave advice and instruction from God's word. Luke 4, 8, and Jesus answered him, it is written. He didn't just, now he could have because he's the son of God. He is the writer, right? But he uses this as a, as a model for us to say here, and, and like I was saying already, when we glean from the word, we can share that and give that advice and instruction. The best advice and instruction comes from the word. And Jesus is doing it here, even though he didn't really need to, because he was a writer, but he says, It is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. He also stopped talking and listened. He stopped talking and listening. He wasn't a babbler. He wasn't a gossip. He didn't use flattery. He also drew away to be with the Father. But in John eleven thirty five, 35, the very first verse that you and I memorized. The very first one. Jesus wept. And if you haven't memorized the verse of Scripture, there you go. You got it down. Start the ball rolling, right? Now, he says this happens in the middle of one of his good friends has, has died. And he's there with the family. Lazarus is dead. The family is weeping. They're, they're mourning. They're grieving. And Jesus could have walked in, into the moment, onto the scene with all that happening, and he could have just began to speak grace and love and encouragement. He could have began to speak life into them. But instead, what does he do in that moment? He stopped, and he listened, and he expressed love, and he wept with them. Sometimes words aren't needed. Lastly, he confronted evil and wrong with wisdom and knowledge. He rebuked with grace for the kingdom. We see this in Luke 19, verses 45 and 46. And he entered the temple and began to drive out those who sold, saying to them, verse 46, It is written, My house shall be a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. He stood on the ground of God's word without compromise, and he confronted it with the wisdom and knowledge of God. He gives us great examples on how we can use the gift of speech to the glory of God and, and to giving life, life giving to others. Imagine with me how, how different our homes may be, how different our relationships with our family and our friends and our neighbors and our coworkers and everywhere if this was at work within our lives. Now, the question is, well, where do words come from? Like, where does it start? Let's look at what Jesus says about that. Matthew 12, 34. You brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? 
For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Matthew 15, 18. But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. So here, here it is. Word problems are heart problems. Word problems are heart problems. Like I mentioned earlier, if we try to bottle up rage and anger and all those things, like you're trying to make the outside look like there's nothing going on, but you're just a mess inside, you know what's coming out at some point. What's on the inside is going to come out. Word problems are heart problems. The fruit of our lips finds its source in the root of our souls. That's why Jesus was so focused on the transformation from the inside out. Behavior modification on the outside, anybody can do that. And you don't need Jesus to do that. You can do that. But what we can't do is transform the inside. But Jesus can. Warren Wearsby, pastor, author, commentator, he says, When we are rooted in Christ, our words will be fruit of our fellowship with him. He says, when the Holy Spirit is helping tame the tongue, it produces fruit like love and patience and kindness and gentleness and self-control. And when we understand that all of us have the gift of language which makes us in the image of God, imagio Dei, right? We understand then when we dishonor others with our words, we dishonor God. And if you, you and I let that really soak in and sink in, then it changes the way that we'd want to speak to one another. We're always living before the face of God. Quorum Deo, a Latin phrase that means before the eyes of God. There's never a moment in our lives where we're not before the eyes of God. Words like fresh spring giving life, cleansing and sanctifying like a tree providing shelter honors God when we speak that. And the way we use our words again identify us. When Jesus is the Lord of our heart, he's the Lord of our lips too. So again, the key verse, 18, Proverbs 18, 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. So we tame the tongue. We tame our words by surrendering our heart. It's got to begin there, which is why Paul would write to us in Romans 10, 9 and 10, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved, for with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. It begins with a heart change. Maybe that's you. In order for you and I to have those wise words to share, to encourage, to, to instruct, to lead and guide and to help, we need to surrender our, our heart. We need to surrender our lives. Some of you need to maybe do that today. And that's my prayer, and it has been all week, that God would, would, would open your eyes to the invitation that he has extended and he continues to extend every time for you, to, for you to confess and to know and to believe in Christ, the risen Savior, the one who paid it all, the one who rose from the grave, the one who, who at one point is, and sometime in the future, is coming back and we're going to be with him forever. Some of you need to hear Jesus. Some of you don't need to speak words. Some of you need to hear words. And here's the words that I think you need to hear this morning. You need to hear Jesus say, I forgive you. And I love you.
That's what, that's what he's speaking. Jesus is saying that to us. I forgive you. I love you. And some of us need to really listen to him saying it. I forgive you. I love you. In a few short weeks, we're going to celebrate Jesus saying that to us in a very tangible and real way as he went to the cross. I forgive you, and I love you. Hear that from Christ. If you've never heard that from him, may you hear it this morning. May, may my voice be just a vessel of his voice. May our voices just be a vessel for his voice. And may you hear Jesus speak to you, I forgive you, I love you. For those who have heard that in the past, maybe today you needed to re be reminded, refreshed. And as we hear that, and as it goes within us, we speak that out of us to those around us as we walk home. Let's pray together. Father, God, thank you that we can hear the words from Christ. I forgive you. I love you. He is the only one who could speak that life-changing, soul-changing phrase. May we hear it today. God, if there are those within this room or online that have never heard him, may it be today that they hear Jesus say, I forgive you. I love you. And may they respond to the invitation to know him, that in the moment they're changed, a new creation, a new heart. God, help us to guard our lips as we guard our hearts so that the words that come from us are your words for your glory and our good. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.